Welcome to the Artemisian. My name is Alyssa Polizzi, and I am joined in conversation today with Chelsea Pippin-Mitzi, an American author and tarot reader based in Avignon, France. Her writing has been featured in New York Magazine, BuzzFeed, Metro, and other publications. She's also the creator of The Shuffle, a substack exploring the intersection of spirituality and creativity, and the author of two books, The Tarot Spreads Yearbook, which is available now, and the forthcoming Tarot for Creativity, available in autumn 2024. Welcome, Chelsea. It's so wonderful to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I want to sort of set up a bit of what of our conversation is going to look like today, um, because there there was a post that you sent out through your Substack, uh, the Shuffle, about a month ago um, about the shadow artist, and I was of course immediately drawn in by the title alone. I had never heard of this concept of the shadow artist, and through it, you explore this concept, which is put forth in Julia Cameron's book, The Artist Way, and you really break down in this really beautiful, insightful, um, you know, just wonderful post what is the shadow artist how did it apply to your life what julia cameron gets wrong and how can we explore you know creativity in our own life without um you know placing these labels that might actually be more harmful than generative and so today we're going to explore the shadow artist we're going to explore creativity and even creativity as a career versus just a lifestyle and i would love to begin by uh, you sharing a bit about what inspired you to write this post and a bit about the shadow artist as well yeah um absolutely well i the julia cameron's the artist way is and has become, I think, especially post-pandemic, a real like cult classic. People have loved it for many years. Um, Julia, she was a screenwriter. She um, is a screenwriter still. She does many, many other things. Um, but she wrote this book. Originally, it was a pamphlet. It was a packet of papers that she would mail around to her creative friends who were creatively blocked. It's a really beautiful origin story um, where really she was just out to, she had discovered a way to help herself write. And she was out to share that method with as many people as possible. Loads of artists that she knew in her circle started using her methods and um, and it, it became this kind of phenomenon. And during lockdown, I think a lot of people turned to her 12 week, excuse me, 12 week, um, what she calls path to creative recovery. There mm -hmm. are lots of spiritual concepts there. She was certainly inspired by the 12 week programs of um, Alcoholics Anonymous, which she had been through. And then you see a lot of kind of baseline uh, Jungian and Freudian mm -hmm. concepts come through her approach to helping people uncover their creativity. And I I discovered this book, oh, like not quite a decade ago. Um, it was recommended to me by an author who I really admired. I had brought her in for a talk at a, a job I was working at the time. And she said, every time I write a book, I redo the artist way. And so I was like, what is this? I have to get my hands on it. I, I was trying to write a book at the time. And so I, I started and, um, and very immediately found myself someone who has always, I mean, I guess writing is my only skill. Um, not really, but I often think about my only my only payable skill. So I've I, I've always been a writer by trade. I've always been paid for my writing, and that's seen me in PR roles, in journalism roles, and a lot of copywriting roles. Um, and so 
very early on in this book, Julia makes this um, distinction between what she calls a, a true artist and a shadow artist. Mm-hmm. And she she calls a shadow artist someone who is working in something that's adjacent or parallel to their artistic dream, but not the thing itself. Um, and, and it graded on me a lot because I was someone who... I'd written my whole life. I found a lot of creative joy in writing, but I was also trying to use writing to pay the bills. So I was doing a lot of writing that wasn't my artist's dream, wasn't feeding my soul. But there was something to me really, um, really meaningful about being a paid writer, even if the work I was doing wasn't necessarily soul feeding. And so I really, really bristled against this concept of the shadow artist. I felt, I think, very personally, personally attacked reading this thing going, "Mm," you know, and she she mentioned journalists specifically. Um, Journalism is this shadow artist compartment to the person who wants to be a real artist, a real like literary figure. Um, And I found that hard to take because to me, part of becoming the writer I wanted to be was was interacting with writers, making a career of writing, getting paid um, mm-hmm. to do that work so that I could continue to support myself and have a space to write, have a place to write, have food on the table so I could worry about writing. Yeah. Um, and I could talk about it forever. So I will, I will, <laughs> I will stop for a minute. Does that answer the question? Oh, yes. And I I took some quotes from both your post and I read through that part of the book as well. Julia Cameron says, quote, too intimidated to become artists themselves, very often too low in self-worth to even recognize that they have an artistic dream. These people become shadow artists instead, artists themselves, but ignorant of their true identity. Shadow artists are to be found shadowing declared artists, unable to recognize that they themselves may possess the creativity they so admire. They often date or marry people who actively pursue the art career they themselves secretly long for. End quote. Mm. Wow. That's like a, Mm. that's a real punch in the face. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if that were true, my husband's a drummer. So, and I have no desire, I have no (laughs) desire to do it. So lucky lucky me. Yeah. It's, and I, and I think the concept is interesting. If you are someone who never previously considered yourself creative, I can see, I can see her thinking there. Um, And I can see how, if you are someone who's never explored your own creativity that idea of being drawn to to things that are close to what you may not have admitted to yourself you want to do and that's where that's where you know shadow and the the unconscious I think come into play a little bit there I I can absolutely understand that from a beginner's mindset um but she's speaking often and she 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 posits the book as a way to become creatively recovered and unblocked. So Mm. the people who are reading this book tend to be people who have experimented with their creativity on some level before. It's very hard to get people to read about creativity if they aren't already interested in their creative goals. And so I think the majority of that readership are going to be and have historically been people who are already doing that work to engage Mm -hmm. with their creativity. So so while she in her mind is speaking to beginners, the reader is actually someone who's going, hey, wait, the work that I've been doing to show up at, in my creative career is is not 
valid because it's not um you know the the work of the artiste um, which I think is is difficult to to stomach yeah I mean and the quote I read is incredibly provocative and in some ways I appreciate and I respect how blunt she is being (laughs) but it 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 I felt this way when I read your post the first time. I was like, a lot of these quotes seem to lack a lot of nuance. And so I went and read through the book and I still kind of feel that way. And mm-hmm. um and and that's tricky because when you're dealing with creativity, especially the personal relationship that we all have to it, we have to bring in and touch upon the complexity that is present of what artistry really looks like for individuals, what it means to be blocked, what it means to live this in a way that is authentic. And, you know, the the quote that I read, and to your point about it's touching into the unconscious and it's touching into shadow, absolutely, very many times, something that is unclaimed or unlived in ourselves, we project onto another or we kind of lift them up into this pedestal of amazement. Like, wow, you know, I have these unclaimed artistic qualities in myself. I see it in a partner and that really draws me to them. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you know, we have to kind of uh, withdraw those projections and say, actually, I am artistic. I am creative. I just have yet to allow that to be a reality in my life. And so those dynamics of projection are always, always at play. But I think for those who who are truly pursuing creative artistic lifestyles in a way that they want it to be, you know, first and foremost, a expression of their authentic identity and their vocation, but then by extension, a career, it is a very incredibly difficult road to walk. And Mm. I would love for us to explore what that's looked like both for you. And I could definitely speak to that, um, you know, because this is where I think the nuance starts to come in. We can see how these quote unquote shadow careers can actually be an incredibly important uh, first foundational steps towards the the dream, the the true artiste dream. So what has your path really looked like? And, and I would love for you to share more on that. Yeah, thank you. Um, what has my path looked like? I, uh, I've always been a writer that has always, that has very much always been, I think, an identity that I claimed from a very young age. Um, I I grew up moving around. I was I was born in the states. I live in I live in France now. After spending quite a lot of time in the UK, my dad was in the military, so mm-hmm. I, I very much wrote as a companion to myself and to mm-hmm. to be in conversation with myself because often com- deep conversation wasn't available to me as a kid because you're mo- you're picking up and you're moving. Um, and so that to me was always a really important channel of, of conversation with the self and, and, um, connection and communication, even if I was only communicating to myself and it was something that I could, I could do, um, no matter where I went. And so, so continued on in, in that vein, I, in my, in my teens and and when I went to university, I'd gotten, I, sidetracked is a, is absolutely the wrong word and it's come up in my brain and that's that's incredibly incredibly wrong i i wanted to pursue a career in the theater which i did not end up doing but that's where a lot of my attention was as a as a teenager and my my 
my degree um, at university was was in theater and I wanted to be a director um, and I I loved that work and one of one of the things I loved about it so much was was the conversation that you got to have around character was the um, unpacking of stories was everybody gathering around the table before you'd get the play up on its feet and talking through the piece so even there really the the writing and the meat underneath was was the interesting thing to me um, and I wanted to see how that would play out on screen and how we could write experience into something that was pre-written and it was really really interesting to me um but I went I, I carried on I went I moved to London to do my master's to to study theater to study culture um and I just found I just found the jobs that were available to me when I when I ended my master's were in writing and not the theater and so I kind of crossed back in to that space um all of this to say I only ever saw myself in a creative career Mm. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't conceive of myself in anything that wasn't storytelling related. Um, and I really relied on it as a, as a framework for which I understood myself, but also as a framework for how I showed up in the world. To me, those Mm. two things weren't intrinsically linked and I couldn't imagine myself with a vocation, with a, with a way of making money either that wasn't rooted in those things that have always been true about me. I have always been very interested in story, always been very interested in that, that communication Mm. element. And so, um, I was very lucky. I, I entered into the kind of writing space in the boom of digital media. So I, I was very lucky to, to, to walk into some website work early on, um, out of really the the early jobs I was doing were out of blogs I was writing and things that I was writing for myself, joy I was finding in my own writing and I was finding the right editors in that space. People were looking for writers at that time who were quick and f- funny and um and tuned into pop culture and I was you know, and I, I had just left a master's and was very much like, I want to do some lighthearted, fun stuff. I just want to write whatever's on my brain. I'm done with my studies. I don't want to be academic for the next year of my life. And so walked into to lifestyle writing at, at just the right time. Um, I'd been I'd been reviewing for a theater magazine throughout my my um my master's. So I kind of had, had my legs in, in the pool for journalism and, and carried on as a journalist for, for four or five years. Um, and then, you know, pivots to video, the, the, whatever the landscape changes. And I was not at the time in a space where I was interested in anything other than words. So, um, so I, I took a year off and I worked in libraries, which was wonderful. Actually, it was such a, it was such a, such a treat to get to spend all of my time around books. Um, but I, I, to the librarians listening to this, you know, if you're there, um, like I, I have so much respect for what you do. I could not pay my rent. So I wish all of you the best. <laughs> um, so I, I moved back into to PR and really kind of developed a, a, a keen eye for communication. I was working with creatives. I was representing um, creative businesses, lots of brand design mm-hmm. um, firms. And, um, and again, it was really interesting to me to see the way that these creatives, mostly visual artists, many people who had very high artistic um, pursuits as as kids moved into business and how they were combining their 
their mm-hmm. artistic talents with with business that supported them um and found that really interesting and uh and that 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 brings us up to now i went freelance about a year and a half ago i started reading tarot I don't know. It feels like my whole life, but it has not been my whole life in my twenties. Um, and, and that changed everything for me, I guess I should say we're up to now. And I should be like, maybe the most important part I haven't touched on yet. Um, I started reading tarot in my twenties and everything kind of clicked into place for me. Um, using it as a creative tool, just, yeah, really overhauled the way that I, worked and saw myself and it was a new door into that conversation that I've always wanted to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I made the decision to, to leave my job. Um, I know you, you, you've been in a similar boat um, and, and yeah, pursue this work while also continuing to work on the, on the creative business side where and when I need to, mm-hmm. um, to support the, the main work of the the tarot business that I'm running, where I'm primarily hosting workshops, working one-to-one with people to help them use the cards to creatively unblock and to feel supported and validated by the cards. We turn to Julia Cameron's book a lot in the work that I do. Um, we turn to where it's maybe created unhelpful. What's the word that I want to say? Unhelpful expectations for people about mm. who they should be as creatives. And we turn to it as as a bomb when it does what it needs to do. And so that, I suppose, brings us up to now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful journey. And I resonate with a lot of it. Um, you know, without going fully into my own background, I uh, have always walked a pretty traditional path while being embedded, as I mentioned, in a lot of um, creative and artistic communities and have always kind of been the one who is, you know, feels in touch with creative spark, but never really found like what my version of that um, is. And so I studied business in school. I studied foreign language. I went into tech right out of college. I was just an, an account manager in the tech world. And at the same time, you know, in my off hours or with friends, we are playing music, we are in bands, everyone is painting and drawing and creating. And and that felt fine for me actually to kind of have these two separate uh, threads of my life. Um, But there was this strong sense that the, the job that I was in was very unfulfilling, which I don't think it really had to do with lacking creative capacities of not being, say, I'm not a writer for a living or anything like that, but more so that it it just felt like it wasn't really contributing in a way to the world that I knew that I could. And I felt more drawn to study um, spiritual paths and deepen my understanding of psychology. But I would say a a big shift for me happened with tarot too. And so I love Mm -hmm. that we both share that. I also began reading tarot in my 20s, very um, in the beginning, just my friends and I would often be sitting at dinner and we would just draw cards and talk about it and what the implications of the meaning were to our questions and our lives. And I felt such a draw to the cards themselves that they seem to 
uh, bring together so many aspects of what I enjoyed, which is, you know, going really deep and having profound, interesting conversations with people and oneself using symbolism and imagery, um, you know, drawing upon a lot of sources like mythology or religion or art and all of these aspects that for me um, are beautifully shown in the Rider-Waite-Smith tarot deck, which is what I first started using and still currently use. And when I left my job, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I went into yoga teacher training. I studied meditation. I studied other spiritual pursuits. I deepened my studies on psychology and I started working with the tarot. I was running tarot circles. I was running local tarot classes and it became this vehicle for me to tap into my creativity. And I think I mentioned this in our collaboration, which you'll be able to read on the shuffle. Um, I I found that tarot was like my creative channel. For the first mm. time, it felt like, oh my God, like when I'm reading, when I'm working with the cards, when I'm working with the image, images, I can feel this. I am in the creative flow. It was very powerful. It was very expansive. And I wanted to continue to explore what that meant for me. And then it became this creative ground of which I could draw in all of these other interests, my, my spiritual studies, my psychology studies, my desire to teach and interact one-on-one. -on -one. And so tarot for me was a catalyst and now I feel like, um, you know, I don't focus primarily on tarot. It's kind of like one of the many archetypal threads that I love to tap on, but it was like this creative awakening for me. And I can look back at my career in business and see how important it was and, and what it taught me. And you might say that, you know, some of those creative energies were uh, being rerouted because they weren't yet. Um, tapped into, they weren't yet owned. Maybe those were my shadow careers, but doing business um, allowed me uh, to to build a foundation of how to eventually run my own business, of how to interact with clients on a deep professional level, of how to um, hold myself accountable to deadlines, to managing so many different aspects all at once. And so if I had just jumped into creative work, I think I would be woefully unprepared, woefully underskilled. And I think your post kind of mentions a similar thing. You do this lovely mm -hmm. job of kind of tapping into working as a coach it really helps you um, know how to support your clients and how you're working in the libraries helped you. And so would you agree that like that kind of shadow career as as Julia Cameron puts it actually um, sets us up for a successful career as a creative yes <laughs> yes I would and I, I I couldn't agree more and I think I think you've just hit the nail on the head that that I was kind of trying walking around articulating in this conversation is is that is that's what bumped me when when I came up against it the first time I read this book some decade ago um, and has continued to to bump me is, is this idea that all of the work that has gone into, whether it was a creative job or, you know, I, I've spent time working in, in service jobs as well. Mm -hmm. It's like all yeah. of those things yeah. to me are, are critical yeah. um, to, to the creative process. And, and I think it's important to say as well that, that a shadow career in the creative industries is is one way that that she suggests we're kind of m moving parallel to our other mm -hmm. work but any there is this sense that anything that you're doing to distract yourself from your art yeah. is 
is detrimental when in fact living our lives is so important. Mm. Being knowing what it's like to be a waiter. Uh, you yes. every writer should know what it's like to be a waiter. <laughs> That's how you know how people interact with each other. That's how you yeah. understand power dynamics. I mean, yeah. it's it's really to me, I very much feel like whatever it is that we've done um is fuel. And yeah. so it's, and whatever it is we haven't done is fuel, knowing what it's like to have that resentment of not having taken the path you, you didn't take, not it's a sentence, um, <laughs> but like, that's a feeling that you can draw on in your work. I just don't think there's anything that's a waste. I don't think there's anything that's, um, that's a tug away from if you bring it back to the art in the end. Yeah. And there's something to me that's so important about whatever it is we've found and whatever it is we've wanted to find, bringing that to the page or the canvas or the screen or the camera, whatever is, is the work. Um, mm -hmm. And imagining that it's anything else, that it's wholly in this way that you must follow a specific path or 12 week program or, or education it's silly. It's silly mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. Some things that she mentions in that section of the book, um, you know, how the shadow artist is created is that many of these individuals don't receive um, early encouragement. So as a result, they may not know that they're artists at, mm -hmm. at all, or they're discouraged from it, or and then they tend to then outsource that creative artistic impulse or their urge to think of art as a hobby, or there are these socioeconomic um, pressures or realities like you can't afford it or maybe your parents couldn't afford to you know help um you know support you through that that impulse and desire um you know a lot of artistic careers tend to be quite low paying and mm -hmm. so you know maybe there's kind of like that top percentage of of creative individuals who are putting art into galleries and selling them for thousands of dollars or actually get a book published and make it onto the New York Times bestsellers but for the most part walking the creative path is very very difficult and it mm -hmm. is not something that is uh, lifted up as much culturally so that we are paid as well for it and and so i think she she touches on some really important points and yet at the same time and you and you touch on this in your article is that yes there are these socioeconomic pressures or realities that we have to face and so we might then have to do what she calls a shadow career and then she she penalizes us for it. You know, she, she exactly. then labels us as a shadow artist who's living this unlived life. Um, and, and that's a, that's a tough uh, mm -hmm. contradiction that's painted right there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't, I don't even know what to say. I, I like, I guess on my nerves so much <laughs> because she's absolutely right. And she, she makes the case herself for why, people find it difficult to access art based on very real issues. Um, and then, as you say, flips the page and, but now you haven't been doing what you should be doing to be an artist. And if you're going to get through the rest of this program, you're going to have to get over that. Mm. And I think absolutely there is value in, and, and I'm sure you'll agree it would be great to talk more about, about shadow work in general. We have to do that work of recognizing, okay, here's what I haven't seen in myself and here's yeah. what I've been denying. And I think there's, there's, there are people who need to do that 
shadow artist work Mm -hmm. for themselves. Mm -hmm. I almost think it would be more helpful, I suppose, in the context of her book, if she's speaking to beginners about this specific situation, which you need to do that work of recognizing the shadow artist in yourself, it would have been great if she touched on what what the shadow was yeah. <laughs> in her work. Because yeah. I think if you're unfamiliar, as I was a decade ago, um, and like continue to learn much more and, and can't call myself an expert in that space, it feels quite negative. Yeah. And maybe yeah. there's part part of it that she doesn't mean it that way, mm. but she doesn't articulate that she doesn't mean it that way. And if you're not someone who's familiar with the with the term shadow and with what that can be and the potential right. there, it feels yeah. like you're hiding out in the shadow of your own artist. And that's the, yeah. that's what she indicates. I think there's some confusion on her part about whether or not it's an opportunity or an issue. Mm-hmm. And I think that then the reader picks up on that and it feels aggressive in a way yeah. that is unhelpful. Yeah. Um, well, well, some of her tone yeah. is, is, <laughs> is quite confrontational. And, and some of that I really appreciate. It feels like a lot of tough love mm-hmm. and something that can really wake people up. Um, but I agree that bringing more of the nuance to this idea of the shadow, that this isn't just a negative thing. The term shadow can sound quite pejorative to people who, who lack the, the nuance of the complexity of it. And, um, you know, is it just this repressed dark side that contains all your negative traits? It's <laughs> a lot of people think that in mm-hmm. reality, you know, the shadow is everything that is unknown. And it's like, okay, that's very general. It's like, yes, it can be so many things. It's positive traits. It's, you know, negative quote unquote traits. It's things that we have yet to fully own in ourselves. And that's why you got you get this uh, kind of thread of conversation about the golden shadow is by dipping into this dark cave of, of the psyche, you can start to pull out all of this treasure that resources you, that strengthens you, that grows your creative pursuits at the same time locked away in the shadow might be these uh you know painful experiences that you pushed away and i think she kind of touches on that in some of the vignettes of the different artists Mm of you know oh they had a painful experience as a child artistically creatively and so they pushed their artistry away and certainly yes that is shadow locked away in this place are traumas uh overwhelming experiences that we couldn't handle things that we are Uh, repressing or suppressing inside of ourselves that um, when tapped into could bring a sense of healing and, you know, a greater set of toolkit and skills, you know, and, and that's an important part of the conversation. Anytime we deal with shadow is that, yes, there are difficult things that we have to work with and address. And at the same time, there is uh, the sense that we will grow more as a whole individual by doing this work. And, you know, if if we are being associated as a shadow artist and that just immediately has this negative connotation, it lacks that nuance of, of how actually this path of shadow artists might be one of self-discovery and development that is sort of timed in the the unique creative arc of your own life and like for me that's kind of what i feel is that a lot of creativity and a lot of artistry lied in shadow for me for the first i would say 25 years of my life 
not because anything bad happened, not because I just couldn't label myself as that. It just, it, it wasn't a part of my story. It, it, even though I can kind of look back and see my artistic uh, proclivities, I was writing from a very young age, but not super creatively and not with a strong desire to want to make it like a job. I was playing music early, but not in a way that felt like I I needed to make it my life or anything. Um, but walking a creative path really, really uh, just awakened within me. And so I could say that artistry and creativity to that degree, light and shadow, all of that part of my life. And uh, eventually something pulled me deeper into myself to awaken that and bring it forth. And with it then comes some of that difficult shadow work of, well, who am I as an artist? Because it feels a little bit uncomfortable or, you know, how can I feel courage and a sense of openness to the creative impulses inside of me? And how do I balance that against this more kind of rigid traditional mindset? that I've had of, I'm going to, you know, work at a nine to five for the next mm. 30 years of my life. And I'm going to have a pension and, or I'm going to have my 401k, you know, it's like, oh my God, it, it was very confrontational for me, mm. but that kind of shadow work was uh, very powerful for me to engage in. And I think the shadow light in uh, the artist light and shadow for a long time because it, it was just yet to come into my space and to my vision because I think it was being just stated. It, that was just part of the timing of my life. And I imagine that there are a lot of people out there who have walked a similar path. I think that's so true and such a such a beautiful way of making that experience of slowly coming to that realization of of where your artistry is feel warm instead of I think I think again what what came through here is why haven't you done it already and, yeah, yeah. and as you say the the timing of our lives is as it is and there's something as well you know we find our we touched on this before but we find our artistry, we find our voice, we find ourselves, that we find the things that we want to create about in wherever we are. And the the work that we do to engage with the parts of ourselves that we don't see, we have to do wherever we are, whatever mm. job we're doing. We, yeah. we're, we're doing that work of where is the gold I can mine here, yeah. whether or not it's the dream job or, or not, um, whether or not it's a creative job at all or not. And so there's something I think really... Huh, there's just something much more open about mm. finding that nuance and al of allowing that space for it. Even if we don't have all the answers that I, that I, I think is probably what motivated the writing of that piece is like, what if, what if it were just a warmer, what if we welcomed the shadow artist into yeah. conversation with us instead yeah. of saying, what are you doing here? Yeah. Um, which is a huge difference. Put them, yeah. put them at the table and ask them, what are you getting from yeah. what you're doing? Um, what are you finding? What's interesting to you right now? Then I, as aware artist, can draw from that. I don't know. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, absolutely. I lost on a tangent, am I right? <laughs> um, you know, one uh, one quick point I want to make is that for me, making this creative part of my life work is continuing to do these quote unquote shadow career like jobs. You know, I write freelance um in marketing writing mm -hmm. that it's like by no means 
feels like a, a, a generative, creative act, but it supports and has supported me for years, the ability to pursue this creative work. Um, and there's lots of different versions of that that I have done and continue to do. And so that's like, okay, we have a nuance on the path, right? You know, sometimes what being a creative looks, looks like is not going all in so that you then find yourself so bottomed out, so burnt out, so without the necessary resources that you have to quit the the, the creative path. And so it's about for each of us finding what truly works based on the dynamics of our current life. And I think that's such an important part that feels like it's missing in Cameron's exploration of this. Yeah. And I wonder how you feel about because I I find this experience and the marketing work that you do you do it's it's not the it's not the dream right but as you say like it it supports and I also wonder do you find that you learn new things oh doing yes it? because oh, God, I yeah. find <laughs> I find I like that, that a lot of that work is a slog for me but I come away with it every time with something useful yes. <laughs> and something that's useful oftentimes to my creative practice um mm-hmm. or. or you know, I don't know about you, but a, a client walks in the door and they work in the space that I was just learning about from a copywriting mm. space. The, the mm-hmm. synchronicity of being open to more than one income stream as yeah. a creative is also yeah. really, the variety is so important. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Absolutely. I, I think this has been true of everything that I've done up until this point and everything that I continue to do presently. Um, You mentioned it's like every creative should go work uh, in the service industry. That was my job throughout college. You know, I was a waitress and man, did it teach me how to talk to people? (laughs) How do you deal with these fires that burst out and, you know, how to navigate really difficult, uncomfortable conversations, all of these things that are so important now to me, being able to say like run a class and have weird things come up or know how to speak to someone and have something be communicated clearly. Doing um, marketing, writing has, man, just taught me how to refine how I speak through my words, you know, Mm -hmm. and what lands with people. It also, it also informs me what doesn't work for my writing and what doesn't work for my creative voice. And I can kind of understand that certain verticals of business require certain types of communication. And I can also find, you know, what really works for me and what doesn't. And so overall, these experiences are are just so important to helping me uh, be more conscious and more aware of how I want to show up creatively, what works for me. And I continue to just feel gratitude that I can have these other income streams that can support the work that I do. It, it is a gift. Absolutely. Mm. Is, is how I feel. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. We could not be on more on the same page. And I think the other thing, as far as I find as a writer, like, people don't always want to hear my stories about being a writer. They'd rather yeah. hear about people who have other life experiences. So mm. doing doing things beyond that, being in, being in work that isn't just the creative bubble is really yeah. important for giving people stories that mean something to them. Yeah. Um, you know, more novels are written. Well, I, writers love to write novels about novelists, but <laughs> the most meaningful books in the world are very rarely about writers the most meaningful movies are very rarely about filmmakers and we want to see real people living their lives and yet 
most of the characters on page and on screen that we see. And I'm, I'm, I'm heroing writing and, and character work here because that's where some of most of my experience is. But but any kind of art, most of the people that we see on screen, they are exuding some kind of creativity. That's what's interesting to us mm. about them. Mm-hmm. Even if the creativity they're exuding isn't, we wouldn't go, that person's an artist. But yeah. we're we're taking something from them that feels meaningful, yeah. even if they're a waitress or somebody who works <laughs> at a desk. Um those are the those are the people who are interesting to us. So there's just something about being tapped into the world beyond what our individual dreams are. I think yeah. it's so important. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, art and creativity might look really different for each person mm-hmm. where, you know, say what we see on the outside is someone who works um, at a marketing agency or is a waitress and in their spare time does art for themselves. And I think that it's, that is something that, you know, isn't talked about in, in the book at all. And maybe because this is meant for individuals who are trying to make it a career. But for me, it's, you know, the sacredness of art for oneself and knowing that it it can be something that is done in, you know, the the quiet hours after work and after family time, because that's what art is to you. That is what the creative expression is. It's not needing to be put out into a gallery or put up on a blog, you know, or in a novel. It's something that is still channeled in a meaningful, authentic way. And it is subtle and it's behind the scenes and it's just for you. And I think that Mm. that those individuals are just as much as valid artists as someone who's doing it for a career. And, and sometimes more, um, my, my in-laws are both musically, musically inclined, um, but neither one of the, they've never had quote unquote creative careers. Um, but Every evening, my father-in-law gets the guitar and the amp out. Mm. And he, well, while my mother-in-law's cooking, she loves to cook. He gets the guitar and the amp out and he plays. No. And it's, oh, it's stunning. I mean, you know, he's, he's just a hobbyist guitarist, um, yeah. but he loves it. And then, you know, she's singing along and there's something really beautiful. There's something really pure about the yeah. fact that this is just something that brings them joy. Mm. He could, any evening he could decide not to do it. and. Yeah he chooses, this is what I want to do to give myself joy, which I think is really, really stunning. My, my husband is a, is a professional musician and it's very interesting because for him, of course, then all the frustration of work creeps into Mm. the process of making music um, Mm. and to watch his parents who taught him that love of music, just continue their whole lives to love it for the love of it is a really beautiful thing to watch. So I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a tough um, choice to make sometimes to make your mm. art your job. It can sort of ruin that beauty or pureness or sacredness. I've definitely s- experienced it one firsthand um, and had to really like reroute and shift how I approached my creative work. So it, it's something that if an individual decides to keep in that place inside of themselves or within their home, that I I just really respect that and I value it. And, you know, I encourage everyone listening to just find that path of creativity that really works for them. And 
I think on that note, to close out our conversation, given that we are both tarot readers, I thought it would be very fun for us to draw a card. And the intention here is to get some insight or be prompted by the card that we draw to further explore the idea of the shadow artist, maybe how it's you know, showing up in all of our lives collectively. And, you know, based on that card, we're just going to riff on it. We'll, we'll have some creative exploration. So I'm just shuffling through. I'm using the Rider Waite Smith deck. And um, the card that pops out of the deck is Judgment. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So I, mm. Okay. So um, I have a book out next year called Tarot for Creativity in which I go through every card in a creative context. And for me, like, I, I don't think this isn't, this isn't new, but the, the theme that really stands out to me about that card and the one that I, I bring up anytime it comes up for me with a client and we're talking about creativity is uncovering what's been buried yeah. and really resurrecting the, the creative impulses that we have buried, which speaks I mean, really literally to what Julia Cameron is inviting us to do. And I wonder, I'm really interested in your take on this, Alyssa, but part of it feels like a learning for me to go, okay, but the purity of intention to connect yeah. to, to, to connect to what is underneath, whether you're a career artist or whether you're, you're someone who's discovering your creativity for the first time, whether you feel a little bit attacked as I do sometimes <laughs> by the reading of this book the purity of intention of taking that time to reconnect to where maybe, a, I don't want to say that word, um, the, the purity of intention to connect to what is, what is hidden, whether yeah. that's your, your artistic dreams, your career dreams, whatever, there's something really meaty yeah. about seeing judgment there yeah. and remembering the, the intention behind yes. what she's I, doing. I think that's beautifully said. And for me, when judgment comes up, it's about allowing there to be finally a space for that which is that which is trying to come to life within you, mm -hmm. finally giving it space to manifest. And it's required, as we understand with judgment, this long, deep road of reconciliation and confrontation and deep inner work. And then we are finally at this point where we um, are allowed to say, I hear the kind of call to step into a higher place. I am opening to what wants to be born within me. And to me, it because it's that that step right before the closure of the world, there is a sense here that what is coming to life is something that will spark new energy, new life dynamics, new creative desires. And to connect this to the shadow artist, to me, with that purity of, of intention, as you said, is a wonderful framing because it it then says, you know, what is coming to life within the shadow artist that is going to support you on this path of, of self-development, of of inner wholeness, of feeling like you're becoming more and more of who you are meant to be. Mm -hmm. And that might be, I pick up the piano and it's just something that I do, you know, after hours at my home. And finally, this impulse that's been wanting to be born inside of me now has space. You know, I no longer deny it. I no longer say I don't have time for it. 
I sit down and I practice my piano and and man, does that feel incredible? Or maybe it's the stepping into a career, you know, okay, I'm quitting this job that I've been working. I'm going back to school. Like those are, that's a judgment moment just as much mm-hmm. as the, I'm going to sit and play piano finally, or I'm going to purchase it and, and allow myself to have that creative space. And they might seem so vastly different or lack, you know, um, a kind of a heaviness of of how to impact your life, but that is the the creative rebirth or the creative uh, birth in the first place, possibly of of the judgment moment. And so this that purity of intention allows there to not be a feeling of rigidity that I feel is present with with uh, the artist ways exploration yeah. of this. It's how does it want to be born within you and not judging it yet, not saying what it even needs to be. It's just the moment when you truly kind of open the door to it and say, I welcome you, you know, let's yeah. see where this goes. I love that. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Rachel Pollock and the mm. Shining Tribe deck she uses awakening to replace the judgment title, yeah. which I think is a really nice summary of where we're both going there. What what can be awakened, what yes. art can be awakened, not yes. not what's keeping you from waking up, but yeah. what can what can wake up and and what light can we shed? Um, yeah. I think it's really important. Yeah, awakening is a, a beautiful distillation of that because with the Rider Waite card, we see these uh, seemingly dead individuals who are rising from the tomb. And so there's something of that deep shadow. There's something that's been underground, something that um, has no life force, has no energy. And finally, that awakens, that opens up. And then when we can meet that awakening, we can say, you know, wh- where is this going? And what is the path that is unfolding? And that to me um, allows the shadow artist to be something that we're in relationship to that doesn't carry that negativity. Um, Instead, it feels like this beautiful dance between you and the shadows and the awakening creative energy. um, And you can allow it to unfold as it desires. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Gorgeous. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Chelsea. This was an incredible conversation. Um, I will be linking her article on the shadow artist below. So I do encourage that you give it a read. Um, I'll also be linking um, some more of her information, um, her book that's coming out, um, her book that is currently available. So um, definitely check out Chelsea's work. I'm a huge fan. And thank you, Chelsea, for joining me today. Thank you. Well, the the feeling is mutual. It's a it's a dream to be here with you, and um, I have I have learned a lot, which is always a pleasure to take away from these conversations. So, thank you so much, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.